Hey, hey, everyone. This is the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Our ideas about the way the world works are based in part upon our expectations. Now, those expectations affect our experience. It could be good, it could be bad, and it can influence our reactions and responses to just about everything and everyone that we encounter. And yes, that includes every social transaction, every date that we go on. We encounter something, some type, of, some type of experience, and we'll react a certain way based on what we expect or have experienced. And here's the other thing that I find. Our experience also affects our expectations. So for instance, you might have experienced that most men you've dated cheat on you, right? That's your experience. So you might expect that every man you date will eventually cheat on you or leave you despite if they show you otherwise. In fact, you may even sabotage it subconsciously in order to make it true. It's kind of the way of protecting yourself from something you think is going to happen and causing you anxiety so you create it first. I was working with a woman um, and I'm still working with her, but I'm happy to say our sessions tapered off because she's in such a good place and she's in this beautiful, healthy relationship after working together. Before she met him, she had been in a, oh my God, a slew of toxic relationships with a bunch of bad boys who treated her poorly. They were emotionally and verbally abusive. They cheated on her. So when I met her, She was under the expectation that all men treat women poorly or they end up cheating or leaving her. In fact, she stayed in abusive relationships because that is what she thought she deserved. She hid in her clothes. She was afraid to show her sexy side and petrified to have a voice. She was scared to be seen. Now, being a therapist, I knew this had to do with something in her childhood. And she did share that. And we explored a lot of it, but here's the thing. She had a ton of therapy at the point, you know, she met me and she really worked around these expectations, but they were so deeply ingrained in her. I wanted to start on the outside so that she could collect evidence that she was worth so much more. She needed to see her value and learn how to date without attachment. And this was totally foreign to her. She needed a different experience, basically. And so that's what we did. We did a makeover. Of course, I got her new wardrobe. We got her some dating attire. She learned how to embrace her sexy side, which completely caused her anxiety at first. But then she really started liking it. And of course, you know me, I taught her how to flirt. And what I love about flirting, by the way, and it really relates to what we're going to talk about today, is the whole definition around it, right? I've talked about this before, but just to remind you, if you look in the dictionary of what flirting means, it is to behave as though you are attracted to someone without the serious intention of an outcome. Yet so many of us put placement and have all these expectations around the outcome. That's why a lot of you freeze. So for her, learning to stay present 
and embrace that flirty, sexy side without getting attached, not getting ahead of things really, really helped her. I taught her how to see situations almost through a child's eyes. I do this a lot. I, I love using children as metaphors because everything in their eyes are new. And so for her, this was a new experience. And she had to understand how to date multiple guys without getting attached. So she started to see that not all men were what she thought and that it was a different experience. So she then landed a great man. You know, after she dated up a storm and she learned how to do it, this guy was awesome. He's kind, he's thoughtful, open, communicative, loyal, expressive, who only wants to please her. Now, here's the thing. She was combating that mistrust as she really didn't kind of believe it because she kept thinking the ball was going to drop, right? Like something was going to happen because in her past experience, that was true. She was like waiting for him to be an asshole. But so, you know, she kind of really worked through it. But in the beginning, she was going to break it off with him because she's like, you know what, Kim? I don't know. I don't like the way he does X, Y, and Z. She was trying to find ways to just, again, protect herself. But I helped her work through those demons to stay with it. And now they are a solid couple and very happy. And look, her expectations still get tested. And the difference is she is now able to double check herself to strengthen that relationship. And that is key. Expectations help us form a worldview, but they can also skew that worldview in unexpected and sometimes unwanted ways. So you can release yourself from this kind of self-created trap of bad expectations in various ways. So I brought in an expert to, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about bringing her on to help talk about how to let go of those expectations so you can fulfill your dreams and have the love that you are looking for. She is a transformational leader, celebrity coach, and the New York Times bestselling author of The Art of Having It All. She has appeared on Today, The Morning Show, and her work has been featured in People Magazine, 17, Women's Day, Hollywood Life, and Teen Vogue, amongst many others. She's the CEO and founder of Quantum Success Learning Academy and Quantum Success Coaching Academy, a 12-month law of attraction coaching certification program. She has helped thousands of people worldwide to achieve their goals through their empowerment seminars, speeches and coaching sessions and products. Her life-changing message reaches over, check this out, 200,000 people a month. And her work has been promoted by and featured with esteemed authors and luminaries such as Marianne Williamson, Dr. Wayne Dyer, and Marcy, I think it's Shimoff, if I'm saying it right. Welcome, Christy Whitman. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be with you, Kim. Oh my gosh, you too. I mean, you really, you're a veteran. I just want to say like you have been, <laughs> you know, all of us coaches out there, we kind of look to people like you because you kind of like started coaching before it was cool, as I think you said in one of your videos, and that's so true. <laughs> It's like a Barbara Mendrell, you know, song. I was I was country before country wasn't cool or whatever. That's how oh, that's exactly. <laughs> well, you totally made it cool, and now I feel cool being a coach because I, yeah, I turned from th therapist. I, I say I retired as a therapist. I kind of more do that coaching, you know, space, which I love that action piece. Um, 
but you know, the one thing I don't know, and I like literally couldn't find it, but I'd rather just talk about it. I don't really know like your personal journey and you know, what kind of brought you here. So I'd love to hear kind of, I mean, did you always have like expectations set for your life or was it a journey for you? Well, yeah, yeah, it was a deep journey. So I found myself after graduating college, getting the degree, I was living in Chicago. Um, I lasted there oh. about two and a half years. I know we were talking about that. I was oh my laughing. Gosh. I, didn't know um, that. Yeah. I, I moved from Arizona to Chicago. I moved there with my best friend and I, I literally had it all. I, I very quickly created an amazing high paying job money in the bank, you know, I had my perfect, that little ideal body that, you know, felt good for me. Um, I had great friends living in Chicago. I was living in a brownstone near Wrigleyville in, um, with my best friend and, you know, was dating men and, you know, just, just having the time of my life. And yet I was really unfulfilled. And I kept feeling like, you know, I've checked the box on everything that I thought I was supposed to create or accomplish to make me happy. And I'm not, it's like, I'm still miss. It feels like something's missing. I'm missing a bigger picture. It was just feeling like, is this all there is? And so with that hunger, with that kind of questioning, I obviously started to attract things into my life. I didn't know that I was doing this at the time, but I was working for a company and I started dating what I called the last bad boy. Cause I had a habit of uh, really attracting bad boys. Ah. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I followed him. I got a lateral move from my company to California. And when I moved there, um, he and I broke up very quickly because I found out that he was uh, cheating on me and all this kind of stuff. And I swore off men forever um, at that mm-hmm. point. And, but he had introduced me to someone who was uh, a hairdresser and he was a friend of a friend. And so when I went in to see Janine, um, I got my hair cut and there was something about her. I couldn't put my finger on, but she had this like effervescent joy about her. And she just had a very different way of being. I, I, I couldn't, I didn't have the en- the language back then about energy and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but I just kept looking at her as we're having this conversation and she's cutting my hair. I'm like, finally, just the abrupt person I am. I just go, okay, what do you do? And she just, started- <laughs> that's so me. And, I I, and she, she just like started laughing because she goes, yeah, I do a pretty deep form of meditation. And now at this point in my life, I'd never meditated. I didn't have any kind of spiritual practice. I didn't know about anything about universal laws, nothing like this. And so when she said meditate, I'm thinking of like a Swami guru on top of a mountain somewhere sitting in a yogi position, you know, Uh I was like, what meditation? And she said, yeah, I, I I get meditation. I, I get, I do meditation through a meditation teacher. So I was calling Melanie literally as I was walking out the door of the salon. And the first time, like, I think it was a few days later, I sat in front of Melanie. It was very bizarre. She had like this house that was full of crystals and rainbow colors and, you know, all this, all this very woo-woo-y kind of thing that I had never experienced. This is like 24 years ago. I was just going to ask you, when was that? Wow. That was totally ahead of the times. Yeah. And it was no internet. I mean, it was like, you know, the internet had started, emails had started, but it wasn't like this, like it is today where you can learn all of this. The secret wasn't out. I mean, it was like this kind of information was in the back of bookstores or like in the really witchy crafty kind of, you know, places. So 
I sat down in front of Melanie and I was like, where in the heck am I? And, and um, so she said to me, the first thing she said to me is you create your own reality. Hmm. And when she said that to me, I just paused and I felt like you're right. I don't know how I knew that to be true, but I knew it to be true. And then I said, well, how? And she said, well, your thoughts for one, you're either repelling things from you or attracting things to you. And so I thought about it again and that settled in me and I went, okay, I know that I know, yes, this is true. I don't know how I know this to be true. How, how? you know, I kept going, well, how, well, how? And so she said, start paying attention to your thoughts. And I, and at that time I was like, well, what does that have to do with anything? My thoughts are my thoughts. And I just was under the impression as most people are until they know this, that your thoughts are real and that your thoughts are what is true and that you really can't have, you know, a, a, a change of thoughts or that really, you know, your, your thoughts are what they are. I mean, so mm-hmm. I, I was, she said, just don't try to change them. Don't try to do it. Just start paying attention to them. So I started paying attention to my thoughts and, oh my gosh, it was like, I was so judgmental and so critical of everyone and everything, starting with myself. Nothing was ever enough. Um, It was just, I had a very negative thought perspective on pretty much everything. Wait, I have a question about that. So at that time, did you connect the dots where your thought process and those negativity, you know, kind of energy, if you will, was connected to you attracting the bad boys? Totally. Mm. Because I felt I didn't love myself. I wasn't Uh. happy with myself. And it's amazing. You know, it's kind of a weird phenomenon. I remember I used to be a smoker. I used to smoke a pack and a half a day when Mm. I lived in Chicago. That's when I quit. So I've, I've quit for about 25 years now, but I had been smoking since I was 16. And when I started driving and up until the point where I quit, I never used a seatbelt. And it was the weirdest thing. When I started, when I stopped smoking, mm-hmm. I all of a sudden automatically started wearing a seatbelt. Now it sounds kind of weird, right? It's like, well, what does that have one have to do with the other? The act of not smoking and not doing that made me care about myself enough to yep. put a seatbelt on. And the same is true with men. When I stopped being so negative and stopped, started taking care of myself, like not smoking and being mindful of what I was saying about myself and started really taking care of myself in a way, I no longer was attracted to those kind of guys. As a matter of fact, the guy that I did attract from that place, I was in an eight year relationship with him. I ended up marrying him. I was married with him for five years. He was a nice guy. He was the first nice guy that didn't have something going on besides like either drug abuse or, you know, um, other girlfriends on the side or, you know, other things like that. It was, it was the first guy that really showed me love and loved me for who I was and didn't want me to change or be different. And so you created a new experience. It's like what I was talking about in the beginning. It's like your expectations around, you know, what you thought was a relationship, what you thought you deserved was so different. And up until that point, and it, it all had to do with, you know, like having that corrective experience of how you view yourself. And then you attracted something so different. That's so powerful. 
It is. I mean, when you love yourself, yeah. you treat yourself differently and you expect different things. You expect mm-hmm. to be treated differently. I mean, if you're beating yourself up like I was all the time and I was, you know, dabbling in drugs and I was, you know, smoking cigarettes and I was drinking too much, way too much and all those kind of things where I was not loving myself, it was easy to put up with someone also treating me poorly. That's what, how I was treating myself. I mean, everything yeah. is a reflection of how we treat ourselves. Mm, I know. It's it's like the mirror thing, you know? Like if you don't yes. like who you're attracting, you got to look in the mirror. Exactly. I wonder, you know, because obviously like you had your journey with it, but I wondered, were there certain like tools or things, and and you probably teach it today to help people get to that point? Because it's, I mean, it's one thing to talk about it and intellectualize about, yeah, I should, I should do that. But how do you actually do that too, so that you break these patterns? Well, what's interesting is that right before this break opening, this boat that w- when I had this experience, is mm-hmm. that in the time that I was quitting smoking, I had tried to quit smoking so many times. I was addicted. It was probably one of the most hardest things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. But something snapped for me is that I started to, even while I was smoking for months up to this point, um, I started thinking my thinking of myself as a non-smoker and not of a smoker. And I started telling myself, how would I think as a non-smoker? How would I feel as a non-smoker? How would I behave? How, what would I do? What kind of purse would I wear? You know, what, what all this different kind of stuff, like had to try to embody from an energetic perspective a non-smoker. I didn't even know I was doing what I was doing, but I was applying law of attraction because I became energetically at first a different person. I became a non-smoker and less identification with me as a smoker. And then something just clicked. And then I literally, my form, the, the behavior that always happens, energy always is before form, form always follows energy. Um, I became it. So then it manifested as it. And this is long before I actually sat down, but with Melanie to mm-hmm. have this conversation about creating my, you know, my reality. And, and so, yeah, it was, I, it's practicing the energy, yes. it's practicing being, doing, having who you want to be and do and have before it actually happens, before it actually manifests. Yes. It's the visualization. It's like act as if until you become, I, I was shopping with this woman the other day and, you know, she was so used to just wearing, you know, jeans and a t-shirt and kind of just like schlumping around and, you know, like, but that was how she was carrying herself and what she was putting out there was kind of this kind of casual masculine energy. And the thought of flirting and being in a dress was horrifying to her. I said, you know what, let's just get this dress as a costume and just act as if like, you don't even have to say that it's you, like, let's call you a different person, you know? And she put on this like hot pink dress and we went to this fancy hotel and it was so funny just to watch her body language start shifting and because she started embodying that energy that you're talking about and she started feeling sexier and because of that she started noticing men noticing her and it was just that again it was that practice thing that you're talking about that's so powerful because it's one thing to think it it's another thing to do it yes 
to lit to live from it and that's yeah everything is energy it's so powerful and when you really understand the power of energy it's like like you said it's like putting on a costume it's like wearing a different Mm -hmm. persona of energy I remember during this time when um it was really funny because after I moved from Chicago to California and I was starting to learn about you know my thoughts and all these different things I literally like everything in my life changed. I quit my job because I couldn't stand doing it anymore. I gained like 30 pounds. I was living in a, yeah, I was living in a room in um, a very strange woman's house. I was renting a room. I had no friends or support around me. I was really isolated. And so I started putting more and more attention on myself, but I was, Mm -hmm. I, I was gaining weight and I was eating. I don't know why, why I was gaining weight. But I remember the turning point for me as I was sitting there at a, um, at a grocery store and I was buying a salad. I was eating salads. I have no idea why I was getting weight. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing. I really don't. Um, right. But I was, I was at a grocery store and I saw on the cover a, a photograph of um, Selma Hayek. And I had this mm. moment of connecting with Selma Hayek in the, on the cover of this magazine and feeling the essence of her energy. And I started to ask myself, what would it feel like to be her? What would it be feel like to be fit like her? Because I had a body mm. similar to her before I gained all this weight. And as soon as I started to feel my way into what it would feel to be like her and to have that type of body, I started dropping weight. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, cause you were, and you were, you were totally changing your kind of perception also of yourself because you were moving into something like a different experience. It's kind of like what we're talking about. Yes. That, that's awesome. Well, I mean, besides the visualization and kind of embodying that, like what is the next step then, you know, after you, you know, you kind of see it, you feel into it, then what? Well, you have to live it. I mean, everything is yeah. act, everything is action. You have to figure from like you just even from the universal laws, you know, we are metaphysical, but we're also physical. And even when we go to intend, that's an action. When we are putting mm-hmm. ourselves into a visualization, that is an energetic action. Everything is from an action from our um physical perspective, even when we're working with energy, when we're deciding to align with the energy that we want to feel, that is an action. And so one of the things that's absolutely critical, really the place for most people to start is we have to watch what we say because our words are so creative. I mean, it even says in the Bible, you know, in the beginning, there was the word. I mean, words are like our wands, Mm-hmm. When you think about it, words are a series of words create a thought and thoughts create over, you know, thought over and over again, create our beliefs, our expectations. We create from our beliefs and it all starts with the word. So, you know, it's important to watch our words, what we say, because there are so many things that we say as a collective society that pull down our energy, that have us completely disconnected from the trueness of who we are, the truth of who we are, and keep us in that limited space and in that limited mind. And so it's truly important to watch our words. Words are so important. There there was this woman I was working with, you know how like people have filler words or, you know, things that they say in, in repetition. And a lot of times it's, 
it's like a defense sometimes, you know, or, or they can't collect their thoughts. So they'll use like, um, or that kind of thing. But this woman, she kept using the word, okay, to everything. Like Mm. I would ask her opinion about something and she would say, okay. And I would say, okay, what? (laughs) (laughs) And, And she's like, oh, I was just thinking, I said, well, you know, when you say, okay, I don't know how you feel. I don't know what things are meaning to you. And it was such a like light bulb thing that she went out. She, she said, wow, I've been doing that my whole life. Like now that I think about it and she's Mm. like, I think I'm just so scared of talking, you know, or saying something wrong that I've learned to use. Okay. To kill time. Yes. And so to your point, like, yeah. And, and once we cut that out, like, she's like, oh my gosh, Kim, all my friends were like backing you up. They're all like, yeah, you kind of say it all the time. (laughs) And yeah. So now she was like kind of joking about it and she, she replaced it with feeling words. And that was like such a big, you know, thing for her. Um, you have actually some cool, like, like there's like three questions you want to ask yourself in order to pivot off of like what we're frustrated about or just satisfied. Like what are, what are those? Yeah. So, so what I, that's what I call contrast. Whenever we're Ah. noticing that we're not in a mind space that we want to be in, or that we're experiencing an emotion that doesn't feel good to us, or we have some kind of circumstance or situation that we would rather not have in our lives, something we don't want. um, Then what we, what we do is we can either continue to focus on the, what we don't want, which will continue to create momentum and give us more of what we don't want, Hmm. or we can ask ourselves these three questions. So the first question is, what do I want? And that is really important because that changes our focus. And once you ask yourself, what do I want? And you're not focusing on what you don't, what you don't want. You want to then say, what why do I want it? So what do I want? Why do I want it? So when you start to focus on the why that you want something, you start to work with the energy because then you're getting really to the essence. So for example, um, I, I want to have my ideal partner, right? Mm -hmm. And like, well, why would I want my ideal partner? Well, I want to have someone to go to dinner with. I want to feel connected. I want to be able to go on vacation with someone. I want to create a history with someone. I want an intimate, committed relationship. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to, you know, so Mm -hmm. you get down to the real reason why and why you're talking about the why you're exuding the why energy and you're, you're becoming a vibrational match to what you want instead of what you don't want. And then the third question is, how do you want to feel? Because all of us want to feel a certain way. We think that if I get the guy or if I get the job or if I make the money, whatever it is, or I get the accomplishment or accolade, then I'm going to feel. And that's the outside in approach. We think that if I just get this, then I'll feel. But the trick is, is that you really need to feel and then you get. So what do I want? Why do I want it? How, do I'm gonna, how am I going to feel? I'm going to feel connected. I'm going to feel in love. So then put yourself in that place right now because it is a holographic universe and you can connect with that feeling of connection and love right now. You don't have to get the guy to feel that. You don't have to get the promotion to feel that. And what's happening is now you're coming from a place of having it. You're coming from a place of being fulfilled with it. And you can't attract what you don't, what you want from a place of what you don't want. You can't attract what you do want from a place of lack or needing it. Because the vibration of lack or not having it is so different from the vibration of having it. 
So we have to put ourselves into the place of energetically having it, experiencing it, and then we attract it. I love that. You know, what's so powerful about this too, is that it really helps you zone in on yourself and how you feel, what you want and connect it with the why. Because I know a lot of the clients that I work with, they're so focused on the other person and making them happy and what they quote unquote should do rather than coming from a place of what they want to do. And I think that's a oh, it's a, such an important distinction because it's not until you do that is when you attract that healthy partner because you're not doing it for someone else. You're not morphing yourself into something that other people want from you and want to see. You're doing it from that authentic thing like, yeah, this feels good and this is what I want. And that's when it, I, I mean, and I don't know what you think about that, but that's, I think, truly when the healthy relationships, you know, kind of start working for you. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I talk about in what my watch your words program. And we can talk mm-hmm. about that, um, is that should is one of those words should or shouldn't have, you know, <laughs> because you're putting yourself in, in a box. I always say that you're stuck in the drama triangle in, you know, relationships when you're saying I should, I have to, I ought to, you know, you're coming from roles and rules instead of coming from your own unique divine perspective and you know the the unique person that you are and you're you're being someone that you, there's no freedom of choice and options and possibilities it's you're you're coming from well a mother or a wife or a businesswoman should do this and act this way or you should be doing that and it's just there's no freedom in that it's it's limited and a lot of times we beat ourselves up in the now for something that we didn't do. And then we say we should have done that. Well, there's nothing you could have done about that. Mm, so it's a waste yeah. of energy. And we're focused on what we should have, you know, it's like berating ourselves, being a persecutor to ourselves instead of saying, oh, well, that could have been an option. Maybe next time I'll choose this. But for now here, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a very different perspective and feeling free and feeling connected. Yeah, I love it. You know, it's so funny. I talk about this sometimes. I kept saying for the longest time, yeah, I should do a podcast. Like, I, so I go on other people's podcasts and people are like, yeah, you, you should have one. I'm like, yeah, I should. Mm-hmm. And I said it for the, the longest time. And here I it wasn't until I said, yeah, I am doing a podcast. And then I took action towards it. And here we are. And, and it, it is, it's so powerful. And it's such a, like the words, it's like you said that that's so cool. And you, you have a special program about watching your words. Yeah, it's actually free. So, um, oh, I, re- cool. I had so many people asking me and I went, just wanted to educate people on the importance of words. So you could have everybody go to watchyourwords.com. And it's a 30-day program in your email. You'll get a video a day. And what it is, is it tells you the word to shift off of why. Because I'm the kind of person, someone tells me, well, you shouldn't say that, right? Or that's not a good word to say. I want to know why. Why why does that affect what I create? What is the reason behind it? So I talk about the word or the phrase. Sometimes it's a phrase Mm -hmm. that we want to shift off of why and then what to replace it with. So it's really powerful and people that go through it on a consistent basis and they're shifting their words are finding they're manifesting things. They feel better. Pain starts to go away. I mean, it is amazing that people have after going through it. So just for example, if someone is saying, oh, I can't afford it, Mm -hmm. right? We hear that all the time. I can't, like, I just can't afford that. Yeah. 
that is such a disempowering. Anytime you say can't of any kind, it's mm-hmm. a disempowering phrase that constricts us when we're like divine expanding human beings. And so when we say I can't afford something, it makes us feel limited, which we're unlimited beings. So it feels horrible to an unlimited being. So when you shift that word can't, because it doesn't give you doesn't give you any options or choices, you feel limited and that never feels good. So instead of saying I can't afford, try something like that's not a financial priority for me right now. Because it doesn't mean that you can't ever have it. So it might be a trip. Say that your friend says to you, hey, let's go on a cruise. And you're like, I can't afford that, right? Well, you've got bills you need to pay and things you need to pay for, right? If you say, well, that's not a financial priority for me right now, it doesn't mean you've closed the door to that ever. That that still could be a possibility, but you haven't closed the door. But when you say, I can't afford that, you've now closed the door to that possibility. Yes. Okay. So I have one for you. I want to see how you reframe it because this is what I hear all the time. Oh, there are no good men out there. There are no quality men out there. I can't find any. (laughs) (laughs) I used to love when people would say that to me because I would say in a world of billions of people. Right? Yeah. Billions. There are, like, let's just say half of the population are men, for example, right? How many do you need? It only takes one. <laughs> I, used to, yes. I, I used to laugh. Oh my God, Kim. When I used to speak at the Learning Annex in Manhattan and I would have uh-huh. one class where all the women in there would be like, there's no a single available men. They're either gay or married. In the, and I'm like, in the whole city of Manhattan, they're all gay or they're married. There's not one single available. Uh-huh. And then the next class I would teach, I would hear, hear it from the men. The men would be like, there's no, you know, really nice single women, you know, they're all either married or they're gay or they're just, they got mental issues or, you know, I'm like, there's not one single ones that would be a good match for you in this unlimited universe uh-huh. that we live in. There's not one. I'm like, I'm going to start a matchmaking service so that the, these, you know, the, the people from this class can meet the people from last class. I mean, knowing you, you will probably do that right now. <laughs> No, I used to say that back then. But you totally could. You know that because you could pretty much do anything. Um, No, you know what I say too to those people is that like, if you believe that there's no men out there and that they're all gay, then you're right. You're absolutely right. You have made your own truth and that's all you see. That will be your experience. Yes, the experience. If you shift the language on that. So to answer your question, there's no single available men anywhere on this planet, anywhere, then that's what you, that's the constrictive place that you'll be. That's what you'll experience. Try Mm -hmm. saying this, you know what? I only need one. I only want one. There's one ideal person out there for me. Oh, I like that. There's, there's say, one guy that's going to be fun to play with. There's one guy that's going to be fun to date. There's one guy that's going to be fun to go on vacation with. There's one and, guy out yeah. there. Yeah. And then take action and say, and I'm going to find him. And this is how. Yeah. <laughs> right? like there's, there's one guy that is going to be such a great match for me. And I'm excited to meet him. That opens up portals of possibilities versus, oh, they're not single available men. 
Totally. And it's that thing that we talk about all the time. It's, you know, scarcity versus abundance mindset and, you know, bringing it to that kind of terms, but it really is true. And it can be this simple. I think like how you're breaking it down is so, you know, these are golden nuggets. I hope everyone's writing it down because it, it starts with these small kind of you know, actions that are the small wins that lead up to the bigger success. And if you just focus on shifting the words, you know, replacing and with but, but with and, you know, all those things that, you know, kind of really can shift the paradigm and your experiences, like we were talking about, you will then change your expectation because then you'll expect great, great men instead of no good men. Exactly. Uh, awesome. Well, I could go on and on with you again. I told you this in the beginning. Next time, maybe we'll talk about your matchmaking service. Um, so <laughs> do you have any parting words of wisdom and then remind everyone how they can find you? Yeah. So, you know, the thing that changed my life all those years ago is that I really learned about the universal laws. And, you know, a lot of people have heard about law of attraction, but we've been talking about one that's I feel is even more important to understand and know, and that is the law of sufficiency and abundance. And all Mm -hmm. I want to say is that all of us are abundant. We are in an abundant universe. And when our mindset, when our programming, when our perspective comes from lack, we feel bad. Lack always feels bad. Mm. And abundance always feels good. And your natural way of being is to feel good. So if you're feeling any place in any aspect of your life, whether it's finding your ideal partner or making money or having the career that you want or having the health and well-being, we are divinely designed to have health and well-being, abundance, success, and loving and supportive relationships. And It's not just for one, it's for each and every one of us. We have our own individual treasure chests that we can literally tap into all the time. And everything first starts with energy and then it creates itself into form. So it's all of us. And you have that ability to, if you feel bad, it just means you're out of alignment. It's not the truth of who you are. You're not stuck. You have the ability to move right easily back into abundance And so, yeah, I'd recommend everybody goes to watchyourwords.com. And um, I also have christywhitman.com. And any way you spell it, you'll get there. So christywhitman.com or watchyourwords.com. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Well, Christy, it was truly an honor, honor to have you on. I just, I loved this conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate what you're doing out in the world. I love that you're a traditional therapist that has moved into really focusing on what can be changed and and where to move forward. And we need more folks like you out there doing what you're doing. So thank you for what you're you're doing in the world. Thank you. Because we're, I mean, we're making coaching totally cool. And I I love that. (laughs) We're doing that together. (laughs) Yes, we are. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining me. And this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kim Seltzer. Remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure you go to my site, seltzerstyle.com. And if you're finding yourself having unrealistic expectations in your love life and having a hard time staying present, click the link you see here in the show description for a free breakthrough call with me so I can help you create new expectations and not get attached to the outcomes. And yes, that might include flirting. It all starts with a call. Stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.